Hello and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. On this week's episode, we're continuing our series Fearless, which takes a look at cultural issues as well as going through the book of Nehemiah. Today, we're taking a look at cultural issue number one, which is abortion. And although it is a tough topic, we have to address it. So we're going to find ourselves in the book of Exodus today. But So grab your Bibles and let's dive in. As we've been going through this series in looking at Nehemiah, we've seen that, just giving a synopsis of everything, that that Nehemiah is so much about identifying a problem, which we see in chapter 1. He's praying about it. We see that that is absolutely key. We see then that he starts to form a plan. And then in chapter 3, they jump into action. And we see all different groups of people from all different places jumping into action when they see a cause that needs to get done. Remember, the gates of Jerusalem are burning, the walls are in rubble, and Nehemiah identifies this problem. Well, we take a look at that in the context of our own culture today, where we find ourselves in 2022, and there are multiple cultural issues. I think that's one of the reasons why we've taken a look at this book, Nehemiah is it allows us to take three weeks of studying the Bible and then another week while we address one of those cultural issues. And today is a doozy. It is abortion. And it has been something that is very prevalent uh, in our uh, our society, in the conversations that are going on here in California and at a national level. And, And there's a reason for that. So much revolves around Roe v. Wade and what's happening in the Supreme Court. If you were able to join us on Sunday... Uh, you got a great conversation with Heidi Matsky of Alternative Pregnancy Center and, and just really taking a look at the cultural issues. Now, I want to stress this because there's a method to the madness in how we approach this, which is we first look at the biblical truth behind it. Then we look at the cultural awa- cultural awareness, what's happening in the culture. And, you know, So it allows us to say, where are we as Christ followers and where is our current culture and where we live? And when you take a look at those two, the next natural step is for us to say, what is our gospel action? You know, if we want to be people and disciples and a church that finds itself at the crossroad of of gospel and culture as we breathe life and, and share biblical truth to people in the world, then we have to be aware of what's going on around us. Now, when it comes to abortion, there's a, a lot that... that a lot of emotion that is involved with it. Uh, in 1973, the Supreme Court legalized Roe or was Roe v. Wade essentially legalized the murder of unborn children. And some of the stats that have occurred since that are, are not really the nicest stats that you could see. In fact, it's a it will say that 1.1 million abortions each year on average. That's essentially one child every 20 seconds. Uh, A total of over 60 million babies have never been allowed to take their first breath. And that's nearly the population of of 26 different states combined. And, And we see that there is a lot going on with this. And we see that there's a lot of things when we take a look at, at the stats, yet we take a look at the biblical perspective of things. Before we go much further, please know that there is no sin beyond God's forgiveness. 
If you've had an abortion and you're listening to this, there is forgiveness and there is healing to healing for you. Uh, if you've paid for abortion, you can find forgiveness in in the one who paid for your sins. And I think that's very clear is that the church also needs to recognize that great there's grace and forgiveness. Because yes, this is a sin, but also there is no sin greater than God's grace. Uh, and so as we take a look at this and we take a look at the sanctity of life, it's very important to us. And as we get to uh, Exodus, I think it's a very good picture of where we find ourselves in California. Uh, infanticide is a thing that is kind of on the agenda when you look at different bills that are happening around California, where now there is a bill, AB 2223, which is saying that once the child has been born, up until 28 days, they can just give simply comfort care to the child and let it die. So it has already taken its first breath, and and then they're still allowed to abort it. Up until, up until now, that was considered murder. And now this bill that is on the table and going through different readings and different committees is saying that, you know, let's take that off the table. Let's not look at that as murder. And I think that takes us to Exodus chapter 1, believe it or not. And Exodus chapter 1 and chapter 2, which I think is a very good part of this. And before we dive in, here's a, you know, we take a look at this where part of this is saying, how do we use our influence uh, and, and use our influence to make an impact? Influence refers to having power to change or affect something or someone. It's a it's an odd profession that we've seen pop up with social media now, which is people who are calling themselves influencers. And every year, Time Magazine announces a person of the year who, for better or worse, has done the most to influence the events of the past year. And today we find ourselves, and I think it's going to be good for this, in Exodus chapter 1, we're going to look back at some extremely influential women who made an incredible impact. And I believe there's a special calling that God has placed upon women on the issue of abortion. And and don't worry, I'll address men as well, but I think this is important for for us to recognize. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 1, verse 15. And it's a story that you may have read a lot of. Um, It's one that's frequently talked about in Sunday school, but I think it's a very good one to take a look at, especially with the issue that we're talking about. Now, here's a bit of a background uh, to put the text that we've got here in context. The Israelites are in Egypt to avoid a severe famine and have begun to multiply greatly. And a new king had come into power and and became threatened by the increase in the amount of Israelites that are there. So in verse 13, it says that he ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service. And I see... Four pro-life roles in our passage as we go as we go through this. As we go through each one, ask God which role God is calling you to play in order to, to use your influence to make an impact. And the first one that we see is save those who can't save themselves by fearing God. And this is right in that Exodus chapter 1 and verse 15 to 21. After Pharaoh did everything he could could think of to make life miserable for the Israelites, he eventually turns to euthanasia. And let's pick it up in verse 15, where it says, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom 
uh, one of whom was there and the uh, that said, since there, are, I mean, we have to take a look at this, that since there are no OB doctors back then, it was common for a woman to use a midwife. Uh, and the, the word literally means one who helps bear. Uh, and, and so we see two women, one named Shepra, which means beautiful and brightness, and one uh, one named Pua, which means blossom and splendor. And it's interesting to note that their names are given, but not the name of the Pharaoh. Now, in verse 16, details their gruesome task. When you serve as a midwife to Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. Essentially, he was commanding them to do partial birth abortions on all of the boys. And in verse 17, we see that because of their convictions, they refused to follow the king's command. It says, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the, but let the male children live. Don't miss why they refused to take innocent life. Do you see it here? It's because they feared God. This is the first time the name of God is found in Exodus, interestingly enough. They knew God would be dishonored if they carried out the king's decrees. And incidentally, we also read in verse 21 that they feared God. To fear God is to revere him, to live in awe of him, and to submit to him. And I believe that abortion is ultimately attack on God and his most prized creation, those whom he created in his image. Abortion is not simply a social justice issue, though it, it certainly is that, and it's not primarily a political issue or a women's right issue. This is a God issue, and the baby is not just tissue or organic matter. That's why it all comes back to fearing God. When we see him for who he is, we understand that taking of any life that he, that has, that he has created is a direct assault on him. When we revere God, we will be repulsed by evil. When we, we see this in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Listen, if you don't fear God, you'll fear someone else. If you don't revere God, you'll revert to what is easy. Let me say that again. If you don't fear God, you'll fear someone else. And if you don't revere God, you'll revert to just the easiest option available. These godly women were so committed to God that there was no way they could take human life. They were living out Proverbs 24, 11, rescue those who are being taken away to death and hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Their commitment also makes me think of Acts chapter 5, 21, which says we must obey God rather than man. The king calls them out in verse 18 and in verse 19. The midwives tell him that the Hebrew males were born before they could arrive. Maybe they told him they got stuck on traffic or something like that. But I wonder if they responded slowly when labor started. Because in verse 20 and 21, we read that God dealt well with the midwives and his people continued to multiply. Shifra and Pua are the first pro-life heroines of the Bible, really, in, in many ways. They used their influence to make an impact. and And I think that's something that that we have to understand as well, right? When we fear God, we have no fear about speaking up for those who have no voice. And and that's something that we need to recognize. That's one role, using your influence. Uh, the next is one that says, 
is, is a rule that won't apply to all of us, but it has bef- been fulfilled by some of you who are listening out there, which is give birth to your baby by being courageous. We see this in Exodus uh, chapter 1, verse 22 and, and forward. Pharaoh now really amped up his plans uh, to get rid of the Hebrew babies. Hebrew babies. In verse 22, it says, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. This was a direct order to all the people and is very specific. Every son is to be thrown into the Nile. And in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1, we're introduced to a couple. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took his wife, his wife, a Levite woman. And the Levites were set apart for worship and service. And look what happens in verse 2. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. The word fine means well-pleasing. When, when she saw the, the beauty of God's creation, she did everything she could to protect her son. And we know from other passages that her name was Jochebed. And, and at the very minimum, she is facing uh, a very difficult task ahead because she could be killed if, if they found out that she had actually kept her baby boy. What a picture this is of a mother hiding her baby uh, so that he could live. The, the courage that's in here, the very heart of the mother is to protect and to nourish the offspring. God saw fit to place babies inside the womb of women because they are the most, uh, because this is where they are at the most vulnerable and dependent stage. Yet, unfortunately, in the nation today, the womb has become one of the most dangerous places for a baby. Be courageous even when it's not convenient, I think is the message in this. Be courageous even when it's costly. Faith is not believing in spite of evidence, but obeying in spite of consequence, I think is probably uh, the quote that we want to remember. The Bible clearly teaches that life begins at conception, as stated in Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. And in Jeremiah chapter 1, talking about Jeremiah's ministry, and that God knew before, before he was ever conceived that he would have a great plan for him. We see what she does next in verse 3. When she could hide him no longer, she put him, she took him uh, for him a basket made of bulrushes and of, in a bitumen and uh, pitch, and she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds in the riverbank. Now, I think it's important for us to take a, a moment here because this is one of my favorite passages here when we look at this. In, in verse 3, and we see that she put him in uh, a basket made of bulrushes. This is actually a unique word in Hebrew, and this is a word which uh, is only used one other time. And depending on what version of the Bible you may have, it is translated as, yes, a basket, but it is really translated as an ark made of bulrushes. Now, you can take that, and probably immediately there is a light bulb that goes on and says, I've heard that somewhere else. The only place that we see this word occur is with Noah's Ark. Now, to go even further into a little Hebrew side note here, or Hebrew rabbit trail, I guess we could call it, the word Ark is very specific. There's multiple words in Hebrew that are used for boats. There's a a boat that has propulsion, but no steering. There's a boat that has steering, no propulsion. Uh, There is a sailboat. There is a rowboat. 
all different types of marine vehicles. The ARC is unique in the sense that there is no steering and there is no propulsion. So it is at the whim of God. This is um, the story is about God's sovereignty with Noah. And for a Jewish person reading this story here, understanding that Moses was put into the ark, when they hear that word, they say and understand that this is a God sovereignty thing, that God is in control. And and this is what I, I love about this passage is the mom puts Moses in the ark and says, God, he's yours. I trust you. And, and a variety of different things could happen from this. But the reality that we also see in this is that this is a God sovereignty thing that we have to recognize. So, so the mom puts, puts Moses into the basket. And we see this. And which really leads us to that third role, which is um, where a majority of us will find ourselves, which is be an advocate by staying close to someone in need. And again, something that we don't often note, but in Exodus chapter 2, verse 4 and 7, we see we're introduced to Miriam, the sister of Moses. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done with him. She knows what Moses is in a basket uh, and, and among the reeds, and she stays close. She knows where he is, but she stays off just at a distance overlooking. At this point, she is probably 10 to 12 years old based on the words that are being used. And the irony of what happens next can only be described as God's providence and God's sovereignty in verse 5 or 6. Now the daughter of the Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Miriam jumps into action using words that are both wise and respectful in verse 7. It says, Then the sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, which is something that shouldn't happen because the Hebrews were not supposed to be talking with royalty. She says, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew woman to nurse the child for you? Her emphasis is on the princess, not the baby. Call a nurse for you. Miriam was watchful, she was creative, she was inventive, she was available, she was faithful, and she was nearby. And I think part of that is is for us saying, let's practice the principle of proximity. We have to be near someone to help them when they're in need. If you are close, you can reach out in a crisis. That's one reason why we talk so much about getting to know our neighbors here at Sunrise. If we hang out with them, they might reach out when they are hurting. Uh, and, and that means that we're going to have to get out of our little, uh, in many ways, our, our little tiny Christian circles or our comfort zones, I should say, and spend time with those uh, and not just spend time with those who look like us and talk like us and act like us. It's about us actually being out in the neighborhood. There's one part discipleship and the other part evangelism. Because Miriam stayed close, she was able to speak up and speak into the crisis situation. She's living out Proverbs 31.8. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. When we start to recognize these things and start to see that God is calling us to be advocates, that one of the ways that we do that is by staying close. 
right? So, so we've got got a few things that that we can see here where we're called to around just the abortion issue and abortion issue in and of itself. Whatever those, whatever the issues are out there, understand that God is guiding and directing us. And we could put an end to some of these great injustices that are happening in the world. So the, the question is, is who do you identify most, most within this um, pro-life narrative? I mean, very rarely do we read this story of Exodus chapter 1 and 2 and look at it this way. Often we see this as just the pretext for the greater story of Moses. But it, the thing that I love in this, and these are all great women of the Bible, but so much of them are just kind of backgrounds in the story. We read through that first chapter in the first part of chapter two, and we don't stop and take notice that these women are in the background, but without them, we Moses, you know, the, the, the narrative with Moses seems to stop much sooner as they trust God, as they speak up when they need to, as they have that courage. And so where are we with that? Are we going to Help save those who can't save themselves by fearing God. For those of you uh, who have given birth or are giving birth, will you give birth to your baby by being courageous and understanding that's that's bringing God's creation to the world and treating it that way? Or will you be an advocate by staying close to someone who is in need? I believe God was preparing to save people through the birth of, of Moses. And, and we see how important the people around him were during this time to be that voice when he had one, didn't have one yet. And there's so much greater when, I mean, the story's so much greater when you know the whole story of Moses. But I think it's important not to focus as much on Moses this as the people who took care of him and made choices when he could not speak for himself, which is so much about what the pro-life issue is. I think that's a good place for us to stop today. I I hope you enjoy this narrative. I know we take a a break from Nehemiah, but that's the plan. You know, every two or three weeks, take a break from a chapter in Nehemiah and address a cultural issue around us. And this is one that we need to address because it is absolutely at the forefront of our culture right now. So I will stop for uh, now and until next week where we'll jump back into Nehemiah. I'll say, take care, have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church/welcome and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.